Hello, hello, and welcome back to the show. Jessica Stevens here, your host of the I Just Blank Now What podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me for another Now What Wednesday. I am so excited to be here with all of you and bringing another amazing story from a wonderful guest. Before we do that, I do want to do a nice little shout out to all of our new patrons. Welcome to the family. Uh, adore and each and every single one of you. Thank you so much. And I'm excited to hang out with you guys more over at patreon.com backslash I just blank now what where you get early access, you get ad free, you get behind the scenes, some really cool content from me and the guests. So love hanging out over there with all of you and growing that community of patrons. So much appreciated. If you are not yet a patron of the show and would like to, head to patreon.com slash I just blank that what, or use the link in the show notes and head over there to learn how you can become a patron and support the show. This week on the podcast, we have Lynn Bowman joining me for I Just Got Diagnosed with Diabetes, Now What? story. And this is one that I'm sure will resonate for so many people because a lot of people, unfortunately, are diabetic or pre-diabetic or they have a loved one in their family who is diabetic. It is a pandemic in itself, truly, growing across North America. And it doesn't need to be this way. And Lynn's going to be sharing her story of being diagnosed with diabetes in her early 40s and what that meant for her personally, the changes she needed to make in her life, how she went about getting to really good numbers on the regular and kind of now living, you know, fairly normal everyday life without the concerns that a diabetic normally lives with. So she's going to be talking about her journey, her story, what she did, So if you or somebody you know has diabetes or is pre-diabetic, please, please, please share this episode with them. It may just help them figure out their own journey as to what to do now that they have also been diagnosed or given the warning shots that this could be a diagnosis in their future. So let's learn a little bit about Lynn, and then she's going to be joining me to share her story. Lynn is the author of Brownies for Breakfast. She has also been featured at women's expos throughout the country, teaming up with actress Deidre Hall to write and publish Deirdre Hall's Kitchen Close-Up in 2010 and Deirdre Hall's How Does She Do It in 2012. In previous lives, she won national awards as a creative director for Silicon Valley Companies, was creative director at E&J Gala Winery, advertising manager at Redkin Laboratories, and freelance for agencies in San Jose, Los Angeles, and New York. She has also worked as an actress, makeup artist, screenwriter, illustrator, legal journalist, and TV weather person. She truly has done it all. Lynn has three grown children, two absolute perfect grandchildren, and is the president of the Pescadero Foundation. She and her husband have a small farm on the coast of Northern California. She is also the author of Brownies for Breakfast. So without further ado, let's get to the now what. Have you ever had a situation happen in your life that you weren't expecting, good or bad, and said to yourself or out loud, oh my gosh, I just fill in the blank, now what? 
Me too, friend. Me too. I've had quite a few actually, and in the moment, I never knew what I was going to do next. Of course, I had to figure it out. Sometimes the hard way, but I did figure it out. So join me and some amazing guests this season as we all share our own "I just blank now what" stories, so we can all learn from their transformational lessons to help us all answer that lifelong and often paralyzing question: Now what? Hey, friend! Did you just think to yourself, "I just love this podcast"? Now what? Well, I hope you do, and if you did, I got the answer. Become a patron and support the show. For just a five-dollar financial gift a month, you can access episodes early and without ads. Plus, you'll be entered to win our monthly Patreon giveaway, like books and courses from our guests and some fun merch. For just a ten-dollar a month contribution, you'll become an all-access patron and also get bonus, exclusive content from me and some of our guests: behind-the-scenes Q and A, bonus questions, all of it. So head over to Patreon.com/backslash/I just blank now what, or click on the link in the show notes and become a patron today. Hello, Lynn. Good morning. Hello. I'm so excited to have you on the show. We connected, and as soon as I heard the abridged version of your story, I'm like, "Oh, we got to have Lynn on the show to share this." But before we do, why don't you tell everybody just a little bit about you? Right? Like, I always like guests to kind of share a little bit about themselves in their own words and share what you want people to know about you, because obviously your bio is your bio. But what do you、yeah. want people to know about Lynn? And it's that's always a hard, a tough question for me because I'm old and I love being old. And people say, "Oh no, don't no, don't we all want to eventually be old?" And the trick is, I think, to be old, having fun and being happy and being healthy. That's what I'm about, and I have to start there. So that's a, so my bio is pages. It's this long journey of doing all these different things and being different people and going different places. And it, particularly, I think because my quote journey, my adult journey, started in 1964, which is a seminal year. That's the year that I graduated from high school, and that was the year of the Beatles, and it was the year of all this social upheaval, and all kinds of things just started flipping and changing. And in those days, we females did not plan our lives. You know, we there was no plan available. The plan had been made for you, and what that plan was for you to marry some nice person or wealthy person or successful person and have some kids and bada boom, there you are. That's it. <laughs> so we it didn't work out that way for many of us, and and I did. I have fabulous kids that are now in their forties, and I have grandchildren, and that's the thing, resume wise, being a grandma. Wow, that, title ever, right? Yeah, those are the letters I want behind my name. I love being a grandma and encourage it <laughs> for anyone who's interested. It's awesome, a great, awesome, a great gig. Yeah, and you and I have similar backgrounds. We were both in advertising, a few decades apart, but definitely coming from、yeah. that same industry and that go and the stress and all the things.、Right. And you found your way out. I found my way out. So high five to both of us. Yeah. But,、uh, what we're talking about with you today is this kind of new phase of life that you're in. As mentioned, you're old, but you are healthy. You do not look old. You do not feel old, and that is because you have championed your health. 
And that all, that wasn't always the case though. You weren't always healthy because you got that big scare that so many other people do of being diagnosed with diabetes. Yes. And I think maybe I didn't have enough sense to be really scared. That's a funny word, but yeah, I am here today to tell everybody who might be thinking about being diabetic or who has been diagnosed as diabetic or who has loved ones who have been diagnosed, whatever, that I am, I hope, living proof for everybody that you can eat your way out of it. You can exercise your way out of it. You can be fine with it. And in fact, I credit my diagnosis for having put me on a path pretty early, my early 40s, of really taking a look at what I was eating, how I was moving, what I was doing. Now, back in that day, we're talking 80s here, I had no help. You walked out of the office with this diagnosis and per the clever title of your podcast. Okay, now what? Because there was no guidance, virtually none. If you looked at what the American Diabetic Association or the American Medical Association, that was all basically BS that it was, here's your medications and that's it. You're going to manage and, your diabetes for the rest right. of life. And I was told specifically by not one, but many medicals over the years after that, diabetes is a progressive disease. It's a progressive, And with that tone, it's, I'm sorry, it's a progressive disease, which of course you go, oh, what does that mean? Progress, how fat, whatever. And my life was also very colored by the fact that my mother had died young. She was in her forties. I was 18. And so my whole life was turned upside down when I was 18 by chronic disease, her chronic disease. It wasn't diabetes. It was a a kidney disease, but I saw very dramatically and clearly what happened to people, what happened to families, what happened to lives and fortunes as a result of chronic disease. I saw it. And although it wasn't like so many other things, it wasn't discussed at the time. (laughs) No one ever talked to us about anything that mattered, it seemed like. So I knew that my diagnosis was something I needed to pay attention to. By the time I learned I was diabetic, I had three little ones, very little ones, all close together. I was a single mom and I was the sole breadwinner for our little family of four. And I was determined that we were not going to live in poverty if I could help it. Yes, I was homeless for a period. Yes, I was a mess, hot mess, as they like to say today. But I was determined to be the best mom I could be, to earn as much money as I could legally. And because I also had experienced, and this is a whole other story for another day, what happened when a parent gets put behind bars? What happens? To the family. Yeah. So there I was with the three little ones and this diagnosis. And so I managed to start my career as you and I discussed the other day. I don't know, it was accidental and not, but I managed to get a book as we called it in those days together of my ads that I was doing. And I was cheeky and I was determined. I managed and I earned enough to support my family. But all through that, I knew that if I wasn't on my feet, strong, capable, able to do what I needed to do, what was going to happen to my children? And yes, I had a sister out in California at the time I was in North Carolina. 
And she was very helpful to me. But so many of us don't have support, family, friends, whatever, who are just like, I'll help, I'll step up. Yeah, that's nice. But the reality is when it comes down to it, your health, your life, your kids, it's up to you. It's going to be your decision. And of course, nobody really wants to help someone who isn't obviously trying to help themselves. So there's that. But so I studied, I learned everything I could learn about type two diabetes. What do you do? What don't you do? And how old were you at the time when you got diagnosed? In my early forties, early forties. Okay. Early forties. And you get the info and we didn't have internet yet. It it actually, it it corresponded. I moved my kids and, and myself to California in 1980. And we landed in my sister's driveway in a camping trailer, right as the computer revolution, the personal computer was this thing. So that was my good fortune in a way, because I thought, okay, here I am. And they're hiring women to do things that they're so desperate for talent here that they're hiring women to do things that in other parts of the country, you wouldn't even be considered to do. That was fortunate. I was able to get good work and continue. But the diabetic part of it was I was eating the best way I knew how. I was taking the best advice I could get at the time. But at the time, what they were telling people was, keep your weight down, lose weight, number one. No one ever said, if you've got an insulin problem, losing weight is almost impossible. And But yeah, lose weight and don't eat carbs. Don't eat a lot of carbs. Don't eat sugar. Okay. All right. And I did pretty well at all that. And I kept my weight reasonable. It wasn't like skeletal or anything, but, and my numbers were not bad, stayed in pretty good control for a number of years. And then time goes on and kids grow up and they did. And so then I can really focus on things and had a number of people saying to me, you need to write about this. You need to tell other people what you're doing. You need, because I always cooked. I knew that one of the keys to survival for me and for my kids was that I had to get in the kitchen and do some stuff. I had to make some real food. And because if you go out looking for food that qualifies as low carb and no sugar and so on, as many of you already know, it's not out there. You can't with other things. Other, you can't drive through. You can't just pull up to a restaurant. And a lot of us are in denial about this. But if you want good healthy, real food, you have to make it. Yeah, You have to, if you don't have a grandma in the kitchen cooking for you all the time, and who does these days, except my kids. No. I was about to say, you're probably the grandma right now who's cooking up some really healthy meals for those kids of yours. I am, but you know what? I've made it my business. I did write it down. I did put it in a book and the book is dedicated to my granddaughter because The idea is that we grandmas, that's our job. We need to pass this information along that for thousands of years, it was the grandmas that told you where the mushrooms were, where the herbs were and how to find this and where the, that's our job. And that's been shoved aside by the food industry and the medical industry. So I take that very seriously. I take my grandma job very seriously. And I am here to tell you, I want you to eat soup (laughs) and I want you to make great soup. And I will tell you how in my book, it's easy. And I talk in it about sourcing food and, and it's all simple. You can make yourself crazy now 
looking at YouTube videos and reading all this stuff and trying to be on top of all of this about the cellular biology of everything. But it's not that hard. It's eat real food. Of course, we're going to define that. And mostly plants, not too much, as Michael Pollan so famously said. But the secret is, if you're eating nutrient-dense food, real food, you eat some and then your body is able to go, okay, thanks, that was great, I've had enough. And you're good. And you stay good. If you're eating junky food, if you're eating packaged food, processed food, it's actually, and you know this, but I'm just going to repeat it for everybody in the room today. It's actually engineered to keep you hungry, engineered to keep you eating. Think about that. All right. Those shareholder values go up when you cannot stop eating whatever is in the bag, because then you need more and you buy it again and again, and you eat the whole bag. And then you go in and see if you've still got another bag and you pull that out. You eat the whole pizza. All of this food is, it's not there to make you happy in the truest sense. It's there, not there to make you healthy. It's there to keep you eating and keep you buying. And if that's the cycle that you're in, there's no way that you can be healthy. And that's, that sounds mean. I don't know. But it's the truth. But it's the truth. And so that's what my journey has taken me to is I'm now out here in the Redwoods, hollering at everybody digitally to please stop eating crap and please stop feeding crap to your children. It's not going to go anywhere good. And it's not doing anything good for the planet either. It's just, it's bad and bad. It creates trash. It creates pollution. And I can hear a lot of voices in the background going, well, yeah, fine for you. You're a granny. You can stay home and raise food. Yeah. I almost always had a garden. I almost always had pots of something going, growing, even if it was just parsley and a few herbs, whatever. And I highly recommend that for anyone to have in their home always, if for no other reason as a symbol that you need to have this relationship with what's growing with the dirt. And if you're going to eat animal products, and yes, I do. I'm not strictly vegan. I have been vegan. I've experimented with it. I thought it was part of my education and it was great and interesting. And my numbers went down and I have nothing. I have no issue with that. And I encourage people to do that. But if you are going to be vegan, you need to be very careful about not eating crap, just like everybody else. When you see a vegan buying a donut, <laughs> that is a vegan donut, which is full of oil and sugar. And you, no, <laughs> just no. Or eating Oreos. We're vegan. No, <laughs> don't do it. That doesn't always, a vegan doesn't always equal healthy no, because it's, it's in, in removing animal byproduct, they now supplement and put all these other things in sometimes. So you have to be a really good label reader, right? And I think that goes back to you just talking about eating whole foods, eating nutrient dense foods, real um, foods. And real food. I'm a big proponent of that. I'm a foodie myself. I love to eat, but I'm also very conscious like you are of what is that and where did it come from? And can I pronounce those ingredients on the back of that thing? And where are all the hidden sugars? Because 
what people don't realize is sugar is hidden in what 90% of packaged food, like everything, like salad dressing sauces, like you, the places you find sugar is actually quite crazy. So I'm sure that was a big tool for you is eliminating a lot of that hidden sugars that was going to spike your insulin. And I taught my children shopped with me Mm -hmm. always when they were teeny, just able to walk. I had three in diapers at the same time, but they knew whether they were faking it or not, that I expected them to read that label or ask my help reading the label because I wanted them to know what was in everything, to be conscious, very conscious early that what they were putting in their bodies was making them, was creating them was building their muscles and their bones. And so they needed to read the labels and learn that and knew that I wouldn't (laughs) put up with anything less than understanding what they were putting in their adorable little mouths. So yes, reading labels, but back to the vegan thing, it's astonishing to me how the marketing has now shifted and you see the labels on things saying vegan, you still need to read that label because it's still full of crap. It's just well, the same crap. thing as like low fat. That's the one that drives me crazy is like low fat or no fat. I'm like, what? Yeah. And just going back to what you were teaching your kids and that lesson of what they were eating is it is that it's like reinforcing for them. You are what you eat. And more importantly, you are what you consume, not only just the food, but like everything that they were consuming. So I'm pretty sure you had a lot of focus on that as they were growing up. I did. And, but also, and what I love to tell parents all the time is it's not what you say to your kids. It's what you do. They are watching you all the time, the little devils. And they will bring it back up years later, decades later. Yeah, you always said this, but then then please don't think that you can tell your kids to eat vegetables while you're eating an Oreo. It just doesn't work that way. Or that you can you can not be conscious yourself of how you're timing your eating, whatever. But also, this isn't shouldn't be a chore, it shouldn't be nasty. We should be sitting together and eating joyfully as much as possible. And I think this is another big problem for families now, which is everybody's so busy doing stuff, violin, choir, baseball, art, everything. And everyone's eating on the go and you're not sitting down as a family to eat. That's right. Everybody is eating out of a bag or a box. And so you skipped this whole, maybe the most important thing families, communities do together, which is eating together because eating isn't just food. It's a ritual. It's connection. It's all these other things that happen when you're sitting in chairs, hopefully at a table with any luck, with napkins, with utensils, with friends and family and loved ones, and you're talking So this also affects how the food actually is processed in your body because the hormones that are going on in your body as you're eating, are you happy? Are you stressed? Are you too much in a hurry? Are you not paying attention? These things all matter when it comes to consuming your food and processing your food. So think about that. Think about how you're eating, not just in terms of what you're putting in your belly, But how are you when you're putting it in your belly? Where are you? Who are you with? Yeah, all of the things. 
all those things, they matter a great deal. And another thing that, that I've learned over the years, and I like to talk about with people because so many people maybe haven't really understood that food is just part of the process. And sleep, for example, is a huge part of how you process food and how healthy you are. Huge. And you can't have good sleep if you haven't had good food. And if you haven't left enough time between your last meal, I'll call it, or your ingestion of whatever you took in, there needs to be a good long period of hours between that last food and your sleep. And how many hours would you say is ideal? At the very minimum, three. So no pizza in front of Jimmy Kimmel. (laughs) I just, just no. No snacking on the couch before bed. No, no. It's not good for the couch either. You know that. And the dog is like eating all the little stuff that he shouldn't be eating that you've dropped off the couch. So yes, it's very important. And in fact, there's more and more evidence, science-based evidence coming out all the time about the time-restricted eating is one way of calling it. Intermittent fasting is a bad name, but the gist of it is we were not made to be eaten all the time. Nobody should be eating all the time. There are plenty of people out there, very healthy, successful, happy people with degrees eating once a day or maybe twice a day. I'm more of a twice a day person. And my eating is typically between nine or 10 in the morning and two or three in the afternoon at the latest. I don't eat after that unless there's some social thing where I'm expecting and so on. And so I'll adjust accordingly or cheat which yes, of course I do that. But as a habit, you need to stop eating all the time. It's not good for you. Nobody needs- Your microbiome cannot handle the 24-hour drive-through of food just coming in at all hours of the day. And people talk about paleo and all this stuff. Think about it. People throughout history, they had food when they, they had food when the fruit was ripe on the trees. They had food when something was pulled out of the water. But they didn't have three meals a day, every day, or four meals a day. No, especially the rich, calorie heavy, and sugary things that people eat now. Yeah. No. So let's get back to your story. So you start focusing heavily on food mm-hmm. and what you're eating and what your kids are eating. Yep. And now what? So how are your numbers? What's what? How are you feeling? What's going on with your diabetes at this point now that you've gotten control of the food consumption thing? Like so many of us, I was so busy all mm-hmm. the time. I was exhausted a lot of the time. I didn't probably understand at the time. No one was talking to me about sleep. And that's the thing that always gets cheated. But I managed to keep my numbers in control insofar as my medical appointments could tell. Basically, they would look at you and go, you're not particularly overweight. You're on your feet. You're okay. Kind of thing. And I was a lot more worried about it than anybody else, but I didn't see any signs of problems. But when you age a bit, when you get into your 60s and 70s, your physician is looking for you to decline. (laughs) So it's, how are you declining today, Mrs. Bowman? Which I'm teasing. That's the attitude of, if you're older, clearly you're going to be having issues. And I am here to tell you that my numbers are actually now in normal range. They are out of diabetic range. I am technically no longer diabetic. 
because of the way I eat and exercise and sleep. And that's what I want for everybody. And I'm not the only person out here proving that you can, and if you want to call it reverse diabetes, okay, or manage it or control it. Now, if I started eating Cinnabons tomorrow, if I stopped exercising, I'd be a mess pretty quick. But as long as you do what you should be doing anyway, for heart disease, for longevity, for all these other reasons, as long as you are eating sensibly and exercising, yes, and that can mean just walking, by the way. Yeah, it's it moving doesn't your body in some capacity. Moving. It can mean dancing, a lot of things. Now, I do throw down some planks every week. Plank girl, I, too. I love a good plank. We hate them, and we do them because we know they work. Yeah. And they're a, a pretty fast way and, and, a, and an easy, you don't have to give it a lot of thought, but I have a fabulous little homegrown studio up the road, two miles. And my trainer is just beyond wonderful, just lucky that she is a well-trained, very experienced trainer. And we have this little local, so it's all my girlfriends, my neighbors, they're with me. And so it's a social thing too. Not that we talk a bunch, but you just get to be with your buddies and see them. And it's, it's especially mm-hmm. through these COVID times, it's been, I think, life-saving in many ways for us. And I love doing that. And so it's TRX and it's Pilates and weights and different stuff and a lot of gossip. And that's my favorite Laughing. Thing. Laughing is a very healthy Laughing. exercise. Yes. Music. It's great. And you get out of bed. Yes. Like everybody, I get out of bed and go, oh my gosh, can I do this today? It's early and we're in it. And then when you're done, you're good. You're fine. It just, it gets all the right juices flowing in your body, gets your head in in a good place. So yes, but it also gets your blood sugar reduced. And anyone who has diabetic tendencies needs to really get that, that if you do eat probably more, or you go off program a little bit, get on your treadmill or go down the street and walk three, four miles at a good pace. And you will be good. If you're monitoring your blood sugar, and I hope you will see the number just drop, drop, drop because you're moving. And that's what we all need to do. All of us. Whether you're diagnosed diabetic or not. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you don't want to be diagnosed as a diabetic, because it can happen to you in, you know, almost any time, but, and particularly men are so bad. And all you all of the male persuasion who are listening, you, the difference is, I think women, we get accustomed at an early age to being hauled to the doctor and, and then you, you, you know, have your first period and then you, you know, and then maybe you are looking to be pregnant, whatever, but as there are way more doctor visits in a female's lifetime than men way more and more consciousness that there's stuff we need to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Now, our guys, on the other hand, okay, maybe they're down at the gym, but what are they doing? They're pumping iron and they're doing all this stuff to be manly. And somehow the idea that you would go to a medical office and get examined and get tests done just seems less than perfection for them. And I am here to tell you that you guys, especially if you've turned 40, go and get a hemoglobin A1C. You have to. If it's good, great. Love ya. Okay. If it's not great, now is the time that you need to figure that out and adjust your life 
to the reality of it. I just, I had a wonderful conversation yesterday with a man, sweet, fun guy who is now in a wheelchair, has lost both of his legs and has neuropathy in his hands. And that could be anybody. I never hear it from females. I think probably because so many of us women have just been monitoring this stuff for more, but it catches men by surprise. And what diabetes, type two diabetes, not even type one, what type two diabetes can do for you is completely destroy your body from the inside out. And you don't know it's happening for 20 years while it's happening because you don't have any symptoms. By the time you have obvious symptoms, it's, it's 20 years along. So you very well, you may have lost erectile function. And that's a thing that gets men's attention, of course. But then I, guys will even say, it's this, it's that, it's so on. I just, you know. Explain it away. Yeah. Yeah. But anytime that happens, it's because you have a problem with your heart, your blood, your whole internal system. That's yeah. what's wrong. Your microbiome, your gut, the gut. I always say this to people too, obviously in the health and wellness industry myself, like your gut is technically the body's first brain, right? Ab- it, is, it is the engine room that runs all the other stuff. And absolutely. so if there's and again, something wrong going on somewhere else, look yeah. to your gut because that's probably going to be where the source is. And the science keeps coming back every year, every month with more and more evidence about the intelligence of the gut. Yeah. Gut health, microbiome, all that stuff. Yes, yes, yes. So it's about food. Sure is. And it's about paying attention. And I wrote this book because there's, believe me, it is not a profitable enterprise, but I wrote it because there wasn't one out there that I could find that was readable, fun, interesting, and basically told you everything you needed to know in one place. Here's what you do. Here's what you don't do. And so it's what to have in your cupboards. It's what not to have in your cupboards. It's how to read a label. It's a lot of sort of tips and tricks. And then a whole bunch of recipes, not a billion. I think there are 61 recipes in the book, but, but it's just basic stuff because it's not what you should cook when you get a notion. Oh, I think I'll make a nice dinner. It's what you need to be eating every day. All the time, your food habits, Habits. exactly. So I tell you things about how to make genius soup, for example, which is just a basic, like Italian, French grandma, vegetable soup that you then freeze jars of it, whatever. And there are all these ways. Then you throw some pasta in it. You throw some beans in it. You do this, you do that. And you've got a meal in 15 minutes, boom, doing practically nothing because you took a little bit of trouble one Sunday afternoon and made yourself a nice vat of this soup. So cheap, so yummy, so full of nutrition. And so often I get that question, Jessica, so like, well, fine. Isn't this kind of an expensive way to eat? Isn't this costing more? Because no, it is saving you money, not only on the food, because you will, because I'm sorry, spinach and chard have never been expensive and probably never will be. Celery, when there was a run on the grocery store for all kinds of other things, 
there was nobody in the produce aisle. <laughs> there was nobody hoarding spinach, guarantee, or kale, which is uh, ironic because that's the food that you really should have been thinking about when things got yeah. you know, kind of edgy. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Like even now, as we are in you know a season of inflation and the cost of food across Canada, across the United States, across the world is actually going up quite a bit. Yeah, this is still going to be your most affordable way to eat and live. Yes, it is. Especially if you're growing it yourself, please do with your kids. It's great with them. With you, if you have any dirt at all, if you have. Little, you know, raised beds, which is how I grow vegetables and raised beds, which works great. The gophers hate it, but it works for us. But yes, healthy food does not have to be expensive at all. And in fact, the things that people are complaining about the price of meat, yes, meat's gone way up and meat should be expensive. But please do yourself and the planet a big fat favor and do not eat anything factory farmed. And I'm not the first one out here saying this, but it has an enormous effect on your health, the animal's health, the health of the earth. It's a thing that you can do that is win, 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 win. It's saving you money, all the rest. If you're going to eat meat, make sure that you're eating grass-fed, pasture-raised meat. And I like to say, make sure you know who raised those animals. Yeah. Where does that better, chicken come from? Yes. If you know the animal's first name, as I do, I know the chickens that are laying the eggs down the street in Tammy's farm. I know I've held them in my arms. I've posted YouTubes of me holding these chickens. I love these chickens. Same, and, same. Yeah. And the chicken is laying these beautiful golden, deep orange eggs that she's made for you by eating worms and grubs and grass and all the right things. So again, win, 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 win. And you might pay a little more for pasture raised eggs, but the difference in nutrition that you're getting in those eggs, it's massive. It's huge. And in the big scheme of things, it's really not any money to worry about. And then another thing economically that I want y'all to think about is most of the bankruptcies, like 85% of the bankruptcies in the United States are because of health problems because of health expenses. That is the biggest, scariest thing on your economic future that you don't want to think about is how much it will cost you. And I don't care what kind of insurance you have. You're probably paying too much for your insurance too, but health expenses wreck families. They wreck personal fortunes. They wreck your income. They wreck your lives. So isn't that worth giving some 50 cents more for a dozen eggs. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And it, and it's a direct relationship. Absolutely direct. And I always advise people to quit dairy and you, people's faces get really funny. But again, unless you know that cow and there are many States, California one, where it's even illegal to, to get raw milk in a lot of places and from a cow that, you know, if that dairy product has been through any kind of a factory, you don't want it. You absolutely don't want it. And the cows, many of them are pumped full of antibiotics and growth hormone and all this stuff. And, and another thing is that that milk was made to take a 45 pound calf to a 2000 pound bull in a matter of weeks. 
And if that's not what you want for yourself, don't be drinking cow's milk. Just don't. So that could be controversial for a lot of people, but there are so many, and I do eat sheep's milk cheese and feta, and we have a wonderful goat's milk dairy close by, and that cheese is excellent. And the makeup of those milks are very different. And it has to do with the kind of protein it is and so on. And I'm not going to get into that and I don't care. The point is sheep's milk, goat's milk. Yes. Cow's milk. No. And can you get fabulous ice cream nowadays made with no sugar and no cow's milk? Yes, you can. I post it all the time because it's so good and I love it. And who doesn't love a treat like that? You do not need to be eating. Oh, I make an exception to for Greek yogurt. I will allow myself a blop of a good, thick Greek yogurt because it's fermented and it's typically from a much higher quality dairy. Yes, got good pre and probiotics in there and all that mm -hmm, good stuff too. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, Lynn, you loaded us up with some really good info. So let's get to now what? So you got diagnosed with diabetes in your early 40s. You focused really heavily into nutrition and moving your body and reading labels and raising your kids and raising your food wherever you're possible. And cooking. Uh, and cooking. Yes. Can't forget the cooking. Those are literally the basics of how you kind of, you know, remove diabetes from your body. Yeah, that's it. And the same prescription goes for heart disease and a whole list of other things. Wow. I love that you've eaten your way to health. I think that is fantastic. I am not much of one for medication. Um, I will avoid it at all costs and I would rather heal myself holistically and naturally. So this totally lines up with me. And, and I know a lot of the listeners who listen to this podcast are all very health and, and health focused. We're all, you know, looking to improve our minds, our bodies, everything by any means possible. So now what, what's going on with you? Obviously you have the book. What's the name of the book? You, didn't, you haven't even mentioned the name of the book. Tell us okay. the name of the book. Yeah. So yeah, I'm what, for an advertising person, right? What a failure I am. Yeah, here. no, it's kind of um, important for them to know the name of the book. It is important. It's called Brownies for Breakfast, cookbook for diabetics and the people who love them. You can tell from the title, Brownies for Breakfast, that I am all about eating joyfully and happily and well. And the brownies are totally, not only totally legal, they're a meal. They're great tasting brownies. There's recipes for donuts and pies and pancakes and all kinds of things in the book, along with basic, healthy, savory foods too. But most diabetics that I know, the first thing they want to know is where are my sweets? So here are your sweets. They're all delicious and super healthy meals that you can give grandpa or baby Ellen. It's all great food. It's simple, forgiving to make. It's one bowl. It's a few ingredients. There's no foaming stuff and braising stuff. It's really easy and you can do it. And awesome. you need to do yeah. it now. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So Lynn, would you say that your diabetes diagnosis was actually a blessing? Oh, absolutely. I think of it as a gift. And thank you. That's a good point. A good question. I feel like it, it was handed to me for a reason. And yes, and I hope other people will begin to see it the same way because doing what you need to do for yourself as a diabetic is doing what you need to do for yourself and your family in all kinds of ways, which might not happen if you 
didn't have that diagnosis. That warning shot, as I like to call it, right? So diagnoses are not always life sentences, but they can can be early warnings for you of, Hey, get on a better road. And I think that's exactly what it was for you when you were diagnosed in your early forties of, I still have a lot of life ahead of me. And I have these little kids. I'm their sole parent. They need me. So what am I going to do to make sure that I'm around for many more decades to raise them and grow them? Yeah. I firmly believe in your situation specifically, but in probably most diagnoses is they are blessing. So look at them. What I want people to know is that it's not about deprivation. It can actually open the door to a wider, more wonderful world of food for you. Things that you wouldn't have known existed, maybe. Things that you wouldn't have known were so good. If you're just stuck eating drive through burgers, I'm sorry, that's not how I want you to live. Yeah. I want more for you. You deserve more. We all deserve yes. more. We all deserve yeah. better nutrition. Okay, Lynn, where can people find you? Where do you like to hang out? If someone A, wants to get the book or B, wants to chat with you about nutrition or healthy living or Thank you. aging so beautifully and gracefully, because I got to tell you, you say you're old, but you definitely don't look old. Thank you. And I am vain enough to <laughs> really appreciate that compliment. But I want that for everybody who is interested in being mean as a snake as I am at an elderly age. It's so much fun. First of all, people give you a kind of wide berth. It's really nice. It's like, be careful. She's old, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So where can people find you? They can find me at lynnbowman.com. Just be sure and spell it L-Y-N-N-E-B-O-W-M-A-N. And on my website, if you are inclined, I would encourage you to sign up just give me your email. There's a little spot when the page opens up and you can sign up on Lynn's list. And then I send you new recipes as I develop them or ideas that I get when I have them. And so I don't do it often, once every couple of weeks or three weeks. And I want to be worthy of your inbox. I don't want to put any crud in it. So sign up with me. I'm on Instagram, Facebook. My author name is Lynn Parmiter. Bowman, P-A-R-M-I-T-E-R. But if you search Lynn Bowman, you'll see the book pop up with me. So brownies Um, for breakfast. Brownies for breakfast. You can get it at Amazon. You can also get it at your independent bookseller. Just ask for it. They'll probably have to order it, but they can definitely order it. That's a good tip is to always go to your local bookstore. And and if you don't see a title, ask them for it because they can order it for you. Absolutely. And it helps them and it helps me. I love that. But if in lieu of that, if you don't have a bookseller and many of them are no longer around, unfortunately, it, yes, you can order it from uh, virtually anywhere that you buy books. So brownies for breakfast. Yeah. Thanks. Awesome. Do it now. <laughs> All right, Lynn. Okay. So if you had just three things to share with somebody who is newly diagnosed with diabetes, what advice would you give them? Well, I just gave the first one, which is buy my book now, get it now, don't wait. And I want you to eat joyfully with people if you can. Good tips, good tips, good tips. All right, Lynn, thank you so much for being on the show with me today. I learned so much and you shared so much knowledge and your own personal story of triumph and working through all the things that you have over the decades and life, because that's the other thing. Life comes at people, whether you have a diagnosis or not. And so 
you got to figure out how to maneuver through life with those diagnoses, because you can't just put them aside and been like, Ooh, life's hard right now. I'm going to forget about this. So thank you so much for sharing how you managed to do it through all the things well, and thank come out you stronger on the other so side. Much. Love being with you. And I appreciate what you're doing for folks. Thank you. So Thank much. you. All right, everybody, that's it for us this week. Uh, if you liked this ep- episode, if it resonated with you, or if you or somebody you know has diabetes or is newly diagnosed or maybe on that borderline pre-diabetic, I know that's another big thing that comes from the doctors, you're pre-diabetic, share this episode with them and let them use it as their tool to help them figure out their own now what. All right, guys, we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it more than I can say. Did you love this episode of I Just Blank Now What? If you did, be sure to subscribe on your fave podcast platform. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. I do love reading them. And if you know somebody who's experiencing this story or something similar, please share this episode with them. It just might help them figure out the answers to their own now what questions. Have you recently had a now what moment and aren't sure what to do? Reach out to me at jessicastevens.ca and submit your story and I'll help you figure out what to do, how to move forward and help you answer now what. See you on the next episode.